It's episode 22 of Life's a Garden. Welcome back to Life's a Garden. Today's guest is a radio personality. He is a Denver Broncos season ticket holder, and you can catch him most nights running karaoke down at the Crystal Lounge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Michael May. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm just, let me start off by saying thanks very much for coming on the show. You bet, Dakota. It's great to see you, as always. Yeah. Um, needless to say, you're probably the... Uh, one of the biggest personalities we've had on the show. It's mostly just my everyday friends, but uh, I mean, I I think it's easy to say you're probably somewhat of a local celebrity. And well, I've been here a long time. Yeah, been, I mean, been doing the the broadcast thing and the and local business and so forth for a long time here. So I love Billings. Yeah, no. So there's a lot of people that know you. So it's a I'm just happy to have you on the show. Honestly, well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, was at the Crystal last night. Yes, you were, and good singing, too. Thank you. Uh, first time I've been there in a while, because I was doing Sober October, so it was hard for me to come in and not drink. You know. Yeah, I always drink Diet Pepsi when I'm there, so right. I get five of those at the start of the night, and then I'm done by hey, the end of the night. I mean, all five, one an hour while I, I'm there. Right, I find <laughs> when I, like, if I come in and I've already been drinking, and then I keep drinking, my singing progressively lessons yeah <laughs> which i'm <laughs> Alcohol sure all does that yeah it I'm, sure does i'm sure you've seen everywhere in Absolutely, between yeah. so um and so i want to get into the bronco stuff i want to get into you know all the crystal stuff but of course we got to start off with the biggest news of the day we have a new president we do and at least a new president elect there's still right. some court challenges coming from the current president donald trump uh but uh i doubt that those are going to have much success right um honestly once biden won wisconsin and michigan i pretty much the writing was on the wall in my eyes it was just based on what i was seeing it looked like arizona was already going in his favor and then they still haven't called Arizona. Oh, they haven't. No, not yet. Yeah, I guess uh, it is close, huh? But it's it's probably going to be called for him. Some of the networks have uh, have called it uh, NBC and um, oh, I don't. I, th I think maybe the Associated Press has called Arizona already, but uh, I know NBC has not yet. Uh, so they've still got. Uh, They've still got the election at uh, 273 for Biden in the Electoral College. But um, I think Arizona is kind of John McCain's revenge. Right. It's a I mean, it's uh, it's always kind of been a close one anyway. It is. Yeah, it's definitely a swing state and um it's been it's been red most of the time, but um you know, when Cindy McCain came out and endorsed Biden. Oh, yeah. Uh that was a big that was a big deal in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So that swung some Republican voters over into the blue column for this. Sure. And then did Georgia officially? No, they're still counting. Okay. They're still counting in Georgia. But Pennsylvania did, right? Pennsylvania has been declared yeah, okay. by all the major networks. Even Fox News has, has declared Biden the winner sure. uh, of the election. So uh, they were probably going to be the last holdout because they're essentially the Republican channel. Right. Uh, and uh, 
you know, they they did they did declare the race over as well mm-hmm. and declared Biden the winner. And it was close in in all those states, huh? Like what was it, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and then Nevada. Nevada, yeah, right. and they still haven't called Nevada either. Right. So uh, what else is still outstanding? I I believe there's four or five still outstanding, and I think you've got them all there. Right. And then we may be missing one, but I North think, Carolina, I think, or South Carolina. Oh yeah, North Carolina. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's not over because it's going to be contended. There's going to be recounts. We're not going to really have the full answer probably for, what, another month maybe? Uh, the official certifications get done, uh, I think, in about one month. Okay. And that's where the secretaries of state has have to go through and certify the results in each state. And uh, so that's, that's a formality usually. But... Uh, in some of the Republican states, that could be a problem. Sure. So the, this is uh, the country's basically two countries right now. You got your red country and your blue country, and and it's hard for them to come together. Right. Well, and honestly, if there was anything in in the long run, I I basically saw Biden winning this. It, but it's a lot closer than people thought. Just like the last time. And if there's anything I saw based on just the the uh, number of votes cast. It was I don't know the the current number of the uh, in the popular vote. Right. I know Biden is he's ahead, ahead by over four million. Right. As still, was Hillary Clinton. Still, that's a close margin. When it, it is comes, when when you would think <clears throat> out of one hundred and fifty million voters. Right. And this is a this is record breaking year. Of it voters. is each candidate got well. Joe Biden got the most votes ever for a president in a presidential election and Donald Trump got the second most ever for a president in a presidential election. So it it was tight. So big turnout. Yeah, it was and uh, ironically Joe Biden is projected by most of of the networks to receive exactly the same number of electoral votes this year that Donald Trump got in 2016 which is 306. Wow. So the electoral votes really won't be that close. They if, won't. If it turns out that way. If it turns out that way. And if, if uh, that is if Biden takes all the swing states in which he is still leading, mm-hmm. um, it'll be 306. Could be more, could be less, but uh, so basically, chances are it's going to be exactly the same number of electoral votes that Trump got. And so basically he would have flipped all the ones before that Trump had flipped He previously. rebuilt the blue wall. Right. That's basically the difference. Gotcha. And he, he will have flipped Arizona by most counts, by most predictions. Right. And, um, okay, so I want to, what is your thought? Because this is kind of a, I've noticed, especially from last election and this election, what's your thought on the Electoral College? I think it sucks. Uh, I, I would like to see it overturned, but that's going to require a constitutional amendment. So I doubt that it's going to get overturned. Right. But uh, right now, uh, each individual's vote for president does not count the same. It depends on what state you're in. For instance, a person's vote in Montana counts more in the Electoral College than a person's vote in California by about a factor of 50. Right. Uh, and uh, it shouldn't be that way. Every Every individual should have the same weight in their vote regardless of where they live and um, 
that's that's just the way I think it should be. But I, it's not going to be overturned. People have been complaining about that forever. Well, but, oh, sorry, I had to make but, a Well, I, right now, for instance, Wyoming has about 500,000 people in it. California has 100 times that. Right. And yet each has two senators. Yeah, that is odd, huh? It is. And uh, it shouldn't be that way. But I guess the representatives is the one that... It balances out. Uh, the, the House of Representatives is population-weighted, mm-hmm. but um, the Senate actually controls more power than the House of Representatives does. The House has mm-hmm. the power of the purse, but the Senate confirms all the appointments, the presidential appointments. So in theory, not much of the Biden agenda is going to get done unless... The Democrats somehow take the Senate. Now, that will require a victory in two runoff elections in Georgia, which uh, that's that's really going to be tough for the Democrats to do that. Right now, the Senate is split 48 to 48. Okay. But there are two runoff elections coming up, both in the state of Georgia, which it looks like Biden is going to carry, but um, that will be the most expensive Senate races in United States history because both of the parties know that that is control of the Senate, which is the most powerful of the chambers. Now that's in two years. That's no, that'll be in January. Oh, that 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 runoff. They did not declare a winner in either of the Senate races in Georgia. Okay. And right now, the Senate, based on the the current election results, is tied. 48 to 48. And I know there's two independent seats, right? That includes the independents, uh, the 48 for the Democrats. Right. Yeah, that includes the independents that align themselves, that caucus with the Democrats. Well, and that seems to be the case in almost every president's presidency, is as long, at least as long as I've been paying attention, is there's always a conflicting Congress to the president you know it's it, there's either split it's very rare you get you know it's very rare for somebody to take control of the presidency and both chambers and currently the the uh, supreme court is 6 to 3 uh, conservative yeah right. so so the that was uh that was one th- that well that was the senate mm-hmm. uh the, a, a democratic senate would have never have allowed that to happen right but since the White House was controlled by Republicans and the Senate was controlled by Republicans, they were able to stack the court in their favor. Right. Well, and then I'm going to go back real quick to the uh, Electoral College. It's because, like I said, we, we were able to see, it was not that long ago, four years ago, with what happened in the fact that Hillary got the popular vote, but then Trump won based on electoral. Now we're sitting in the sa- in a situation where Biden's winning the electoral and the popular, obviously. And it just seems like the ish- everyone always has an issue with it when they're the losing side. You know what I mean? Because obviously we've elected Democratic presidents with the electoral vote. Sure. And because uh, obviously if, if the... Uh, typically the uh, Democratic Party will win the popular vote. It just seems to be that way mostly. It As, does, and that's why the Republicans support... The Electoral College right. more than the Democrats do. And so that would be the argument for the Democratic side if they lose is, hey, we won the popular vote, which does make sense that that's, you know, you'd want the majority of the people who voted 
that should be who... I mean, that's how we run American Idol. The majority of the votes wins the, you know... I think from a Democrat perspective, it's it would be a better move for them to try to get the Senate represented based on population mm, yeah. than I, I to try to saying. overturn the Electoral College. But I don't think either 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 approach is going to work. It's hard to change. I, I would think that, e- well, probably both of those moves would require a constitutional amendment. Right. And that require would require, uh, what, a, two th- a majority vote in two-thirds of the states, I believe? Or is it two-thirds vote in two-thirds of the state? I, f- I forget what it takes. I don't know on that one, honestly. Uh, for, a, for a constitutional amendment. But it, it's a very steep hill to climb, and I don't think... It's going to happen, right? Well, it's hard when it comes down to the, you know, system, system changes like that that we've been doing for so long, right? And and right now, the agricultural states in the middle of the country, of which Montana is one, um, have more control because they control the Senate because right. of the non-population-based representation. Two two votes for every state. Well. There are a lot of states out here with not much population, but they still get two senators. Mm. And uh, so that's that's why Republicans don't want to change that, is because if they did, if you look at the Democratic strongholds, they're on the coasts and in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Although we did pick up Colorado as a, uh, in the Dem- Democratic column, and uh, probably uh, Nevada will go that way, and... Arizona as well. So there's some of the southwestern states. But other than that, if you look at the map, the middle of the country is red and and the periphery is blue. They were saying Texas this year was kind of dicey. It was, yeah, and uh that would change a lot. It would and it's it's becoming more purple every year mm-hmm. because of the the younger population, the people moving into Texas from out of state, and the growing Hispanic population. Mm -hmm. So pretty soon, that may become a blue state. If it does, the Republicans will be a permanent minority party. Yeah. They've got to have Florida, and they've got to have Texas, or they don't have a chance. Yeah, well, because New York and California typically go blue, and those are big. Those are the other big states for the Electoral College, and uh, the other huge states, anyway. And without without Texas and Florida, and uh, and Ohio, the Republicans right. really don't have a chance. Ohio has twenty electoral votes, and uh, that's a big chunk too. But it's not like California or New York, right? See, and that's what I was thinking too. Is on the on the now what I'm seeing is they keep showing the map where it's majority red because they're going you know county by county. And you're seeing the blue on the certain areas, right. and so the Republican argument is, well, how can this be? I mean, we're major- you know, the it shows majority red, but that's like you said because of the lesser population yeah. in the central of the urban urban populations everywhere in the country are Democrat. Right. Well, in those technically in the electoral count, those middle states count for less because obviously because there's less population per county. Right. And uh, but even in, if you look at Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Savannah, all of those major metropolitan areas, all are blue. Right. It's just that they have more agricultural population 
on a statewide basis than they have urban population. Once the urban populations grow, as they're continuing to do, Atlanta is growing by leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. um, then the state will become more and more blue. Right. Because and- their votes are not based on a per-county basis. The statewide elections and the Electoral College, they're based on the total state population. Right. Um so as I was saying, like the fact that this was such a close race, and it—I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a race go this long. Maybe Bush and Bush Gore, Gore. yeah, right. They, that was it, the last it time. It wasn't called for a month or two afterwards. Oh wow! Uh, I was a lot younger when that. <laughs> yeah, it it, uh, it it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court basically decided it, or they were about to, and uh, and then Al Gore conceded. Okay, but um, and that was that was as close as you can get. Well, that was all based on Florida. Well, Florida's becoming more and more a purple state too. Mm-hmm. It would have gone Democrat this time if it had not been for the Cuban population in uh, in uh, Miami Dade County, and in Miami Dade County, the Cubans responded well to the Republicans hammering against socialism and uh, they're they're the cuban population does not like socialism they right. just they came from castro and they they're very afraid of it so the message that uh, biden was going to turn the country into a socialist uh state was did not resonate very well in other places with hispanics but it certainly did in miami-dade county and that's what carried florida for for Trump, right? I didn't know that actually. That's interesting because that makes a lot of sense. I just hadn't uh, looked into that part, yeah, portion of it. Yep, that's that's the only way he won that state. Now, uh, my place that I have in Florida is in the Panhandle. I have a place in Panama City, and then my sister lives in Pensacola. Well, the Panhandle is very conservative mm. in the way they vote, so that part of the state is reliably Republican. But uh, you get down into the south part of Florida, and it's reliably Democrat. So you have uh, you have a state there that's that's divided by uh, by geography. Uh, the states that are you know close to the the old South, you know, to Alabama right. and Georgia and Mississippi, uh, they all are reliably Republican because there's a huge influence from their neighboring states. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes but, sense. But uh down in down in uh, South Florida, you have a lot of retirees down there and you have a lot of people who have businesses down there who uh are from New York, New yeah. England, and uh that's where uh, it's just a whole different ball of wax down there. I used to have a place at at uh, Tampa down there uh that I went to once a year and uh just a whole different attitude down there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting the fact that Florida hasn't been more of a, you know, contentious state in the last few elections. Oh, it's always a swing state. Right, but the fact that we haven't had this like issues like how we have with Pe- Pennsylvania this year or Arizona where it's just so close to call. Yeah. It seems like it it <clears throat> swings pretty fast one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, it's they uh they they get their votes in and they count them pretty fast after the, they they really made sure after the Bush Gore 
yeah. uh, fiasco that they that they got their act together. Right. Because that one drug out for a long time. Right. And uh, they've pretty much fixed those problems. Right. Well, and so I've been pretty vocal, at least definitely on the podcast, about I wasn't uh, necessarily a fan of either candidate in this race. But with Biden winning... I have to say, as you know, a middle ground person who, like I said, wasn't a fan of really either candidate, it does seem like a breath of fresh air. Well, I'm a Democrat, but I belong to a Republican group. Okay. And uh, in the group that I'm in, we have John Kasich, who I supported oh. for president in the last election. He was the last Republican standing against Trump. Mm-hmm. And he had my vote for president of the United States. Also in our group are two of the last three chairmen of the Republican National Committee, uh, including uh, Montana, former Montana Governor Mark Roscoe and uh, uh, former uh, former uh, RNC Chairman Michael Steele. And uh, we've got we've got a lot of Republicans in the group that. Um, put in a lot of money you know right. some of them are pretty well healed you know and they 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 dumped a lot into it and i was i did all that i could to help but i'm just a little guy you know and so i can't dump a million dollars into a campaign like they can and right. they did and uh they uh they put out some some really good ads against trump now they they're pro-biden but like you they're not necessarily pro-biden but they're anti-Trump, right? And they're anti-Trumpism. They want to see the Republican Party go back to what it used to be. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I'm a former Republican with the same attitude. I became. I, I was raised a Democrat. Then for a while, I became a Republican, and uh, in fact, was invited to uh, the White House every year when Ronald Reagan was president for an education conference. So I went out there and. I uh, got to hobnob with a bunch of the biggies, and uh, that's when I decided, after dealing with them, particularly Education Secretary William Bennett, I just decided, you know what, these guys are not like me. Mm. So I went back to becoming a Democrat again after dealing with them at that level. Sure. Uh, they just, in my view, did not care about poor people. Okay. And about raising up people who who needed help mm-hmm. and so i just decided no i can't do this so i continued to go there and, and voice my opinions but um i worked with senator ted kennedy and i worked with uh pat williams from montana who was the uh the chairman of the house post-secondary education subcommittee and uh i got calls from him regularly and uh in fact we were we went golfing and several times and uh, and uh, he asked for my input on the rewriting of the uh, uh, post-secondary education authorization act and so i worked closely with with him and his staff on that in those days and and uh, you know i just i tend to believe more of what the democrats believe now but i'm like you i'm a down the middle guy right there's good there's good views on the left and there's good views on the right and america works best when the two sides get together exactly and work out common ground in the middle 
And that's what we have to get back to if we're going to survive. United we stand, divided we fall. And right now we're too divided and we're on the verge of falling. Well, and you can really see that in the fact that this was such a close election. I mean, you have so many people that... And in the end, and it kind of goes back to what you said about, you know, your friends being anti-Trumpers, but not, you know, they're not... They're not necessarily pro-Biden. They're right. they're Republicans, but they are supporting Democrats because they don't like what the... Uh, the uh, what the Republican Party has become. Right. Joe Walsh, one of the strong members of the Tea Party movement in the Republican Party, just said today uh, that uh, thank you, America, for helping us end this nightmare of Donald Trump. And I mean, he's he's a Tea Party Republican. Right. He tried to run against Trump, but he he couldn't get enough support. Uh, to to have a a viable campaign, so he dropped out of the race. But he's been a very very anti-Trump as well. So there's a lot of that out there, and uh, you know there's a good reason to be anti-Trump. For instance, I don't know if you saw this, but two days ago, uh, Twitter permanently banned, or what, it may have been yesterday, Twitter permanently banned Steve Bannon the president's former chief advisor for advocating murder and civil war on Twitter. Hmm. So they banned him completely forever. Uh, but he was, he was uh, what he said was basically, we need to take uh, Christopher Wray, the FBI director, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, and behead them and stick their heads up on pikes at each corner of the front of the White House as a warning to people who don't follow the program. And he said it can be part of the new civil war. And so Twitter said, you know what? You're gone, buddy. And he should be gone. Right. We don't need... I grew up in, in Louisiana, and I was around KKK people all my life. I had uh, Robert Shelton, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, one time on my news program for a half hour. And I interviewed him, and I could never even get the guy to admit that he was a racist. There, there were some smart people there. But the KKK is a religious organization. Mm. They do all this killing that they do and the murdering in the name of Christ. Now, how does that work? I mean... If you can convince yourself of what you're doing is right, I think anybody can. We've seen what, well, like cults and things like that. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. It's it's basically a brainwashing. You it, know, it really you, is. You think it, what you're doing is in the name of God, yeah. And then, yeah. And all the the big wars have been fought because one country says my invisible guy is more powerful than your invisible guy, and they come to war over things that no one has ever even seen. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, see, it's pretty. It's a pretty strange concept. Religion, and I, really I believe is, in yeah. God, and I believe in, I believe in Christ, but I'm not sure I believe in religion. I'm I'm actually right on that same field with you. I, yeah. I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious because religion. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Right. Religion kind of dictates how you're supposed to believe. Not, you know, I feel like everybody individually can can come up with that for themselves. Well, I've, I've never seen God, and neither has Franklin Graham. 
Right. And he doesn't talk to him any more than I do. Yeah. So he doesn't have any business telling me how I need to live my life. Exactly. God is in me. God is in him. But God is everywhere in the universe. And I believe God is the positive force in the universe. And the devil is the negative force in the universe. Now, there's a lot of different ways to state that. Sure. There's uh, good and evil. There's God and the devil. There's plus and minus. If you take it down to the electronic level in a computer, there's there's two forces in the universe. Mm -hmm. And you can align yourself with the positive force or you can align yourself with the negative force. Um, Governor Huey Long, a Democrat of Louisiana who was very powerful and would probably have been president if he hadn't been assassinated by the right wing, was um, had a saying that was was very powerful. And he quoted someone else in saying this, and I forget who it was, but the saying is this. When fascism arrives in America, it will come wrapped in the flag and waving a cross. Mm. And the most succinct definition of fascism that I ever heard is the use of religion and nationalism to control a population in the interests of the rich and powerful. And that's what it is. And that's where we're at with the Trump administration. We have to get away from that. We fought the fascists in World War II and we won. But now we're having to fight them again on our own soil. When they start storming the Michigan State Capitol with firearms, trying to drag the governor out and murder her, that's over the line. Did they find out that they were FBI, like former FBI something? Well, the FBI has investigated them. Okay. Uh, but uh, no, there were, there were probably a, a, a bunch of right-wing conspiracies out there but they were they were members of right-wing militias and they were responding to trump tweets that said liberate michigan right well and i think you see that on both sides of the spectrum there's very you know extremists that you know act out like we saw what happened in seattle we did yeah and and the the problem there is they did find out and they did prove that some of those doing the looting were actually right-wing extremists trying to make the left-wing protesters look bad. Now, there's, there's photographic evidence of that. They identified these people from photos that they were right-wing militia people actually doing some of that. Now, also, there, there's a group of uh, opportunists that whenever there's social unrest and the police are overwhelmed, go in and rob everything they can find and carry out TVs and yeah, not in the name DVDs of anything. and not in the name of anything. They're just robbing because they know the police are overwhelmed and can't respond to it. But right. the the protesters themselves were peaceful. No, yeah, I, I I agree that the protests got peaceful. But I do believe. I mean, I I agree with you. I'm sure there were right wing extremists that were acting out. I think there was probably the same on, like, there's extremists on both ends, and they will act extreme they will. when it comes necessary. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, if, the, if you look at the political spectrum, uh, it's actually a circle and not a line. You know, fascism is on the far right, mm -hmm. communism is on the far left, but if you look at it as a circle, 
They kind of meet in they the middle. They meet. Mm-hmm. Fascism and communism are both authoritarians, and uh, they meet. They're the same. You know, it's like a song that I sing uh, by The Who. I love to sing it uh, called, uh, uh, oh, what what is that? Uh, I can't I can't think of the name of the song, but anyway, it, it, the the last line of the song is uh, is meet the new boss. Oh yeah. is the old boss. Yeah, uh, won't get fooled. Won't again. get fooled again. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you know that's it's about that. Okay, you know, the beards are getting longer. The now the parting on the left is now parting on the right, and the beards grow longer every night. You know, it's the same. They sure. become the same once you become an authoritarian. It's all about you. Mm-hmm. And no longer about the people that you were brought to power by. Well, and I think we now. I personally don't think it. It gets you know pushed through mostly social media anymore. That there you know both ends are becoming so extreme, which I kind of honestly disagree with. I think I, do too. I think most people find themselves closer to the middle anyway. It's just that's the notion that gets pushed through all the social media and just all the hype. But in the end, I think no matter what, we need to, like you said, if this is where the extreme left is and the extreme right, we need to find our way back to the middle. We do. That's where that's where America works, is when exactly. parties work together and work down the middle. The problem that we have now, the biggest part of the problem that we have now, is propaganda media. Exactly. Well, and that comes in all forms. I, it I, does, but but not on the left so much as on the right. The 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 mainstream media still has journalists, whereas the right wing media has propagandists. And uh, if you look at if you look at Rush Limbaugh, he's not fair. He doesn't look for facts. He looks for points to support dogma, and that's what propagandists do. Journalists seek truth. Propagandists seek support for dogma. That's what they do. Sure. Fox News will never accept Joe Biden as president. They won't do it. They'll find conspiracy theories and QAnon will be out there saying that Democrats eat babies, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And that's what they do. They're propagandists. And uh, that's how Hitler came to power in Germany was through propagandists. He was able to take over media. And that's what they've done in America and don't kid yourself. There, that's what they're up to. They want civil war in this country. Right. And Steve Bannon said it outright. But the the far right extremists are the Nazis. That's what they are, and they want civil war in this country so that they can take it over. Just like they did in Germany, you know, in the forties, and and uh, that's. That's their goal. Now, we don't have anything on the left that's that extreme. But we, we do have extremists on the left. Uh, you know, and, and uh, the right likes to scream about Antifa. Well, you know what Antifa stands for. Anti-fascist. Anti-fascists. And uh, if, if that's the definition, <laughs> I'm anti-fascist. Well, but I I don't go out and burn things right. either. I mean, and, and they don't. For I don't think that they do either. I've never seen much evidence of that that's actually supported by facts. Now, 
I went to the demonstration that they had down here for George Floyd at, at uh, the Billings uh, sure. downtown area. And I don't know if you did either, if you went down I, there I, too. I didn't. But I saw people on the left carrying firearms. Mm -hmm. But I saw way more people on the right carrying firearms. Well, I mean, as long as you have a civil mentality, I think we can live peacefully no matter what side we are on. Absolutely. I mean, and that's how America is meant to work. Right. You need the conservatives. And you need the liberals. Because both of those arguments have some merit on sure. both sides. Not all the arguments on, on both sides have some merit, but a lot of them do. So the way America is meant to work is that the two sides come together, like Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House in those days used to, used to do, and they'd get together and go out for a beer and they'd work it out, mm -hmm. and then they would call their uh, their uh, their people together and say, "Okay, this is what we're doing. It's down the middle." But as long as we have propaganda media, they can't do that, and they can't do that because they'll get toasted and right. they'll get run out of office. It's like what happened to. Uh, well, uh, several of the Republican congressmen. Um, I'm trying to think of some names right now, um, but none, none is coming to mind. But they were primaried because they supported some of the Democrats' things in Congress, and then they lost their seats in the House. And I, 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 from Virginia, he was the number three Republican. Why can't I say his name? But uh, anyway, he lost his seat in Congress because he worked with the Democrats. Well, it wasn't it wasn't that it was a bad idea for him to work with the Democrats. It was that the right-wing media toasted him to the point that a more conservative guy beat him in the primary and he lost his seat. He would have won in the general election. But the the way the primary system is set up in this country needs to be changed. Yeah, it's well, and it's kind of di isn't it different on the like the way the conservative party does it is different than the well, both are set up to elect the most extreme people. Yeah, that's true. Because that's who comes out and votes in primaries. Mm -hmm. If you if you go into a primary as a Republican, you'd better be far right, or you're going to lose your seat, as happened to. Uh, the congressman that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're going to run in a Democratic primary, you'd better be on the far left because it's the far left people in the Democratic Party who come out and vote in the primaries. Gotcha. And they, they need to they need to change that system because it promotes extremism on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um and that's that's a big problem. That right. the primary system I think is that and the and the fact that um, that we have propaganda media now, right? Well, actually, I I might have to disagree a little bit with you on the. Oh, go ahead. Just in That's the fact we're that here. I'm I'm kind of anti-media altogether. That comes in the form of social media in the majority, but I do think, like you said, with propaganda media, I think it falls in both fields. I think you you can get propaganda on in any level, really, and I, I think there are great journalists out there that do seek the truth but unfortunately i think you have to kind of look deep and find them in, in certain yeah. it just seems like with the with the um 
what do you, I don't even know why I'm blanking here, but like CNN, Fox News, the mainstream media. It seems like, you know, they they have to follow a certain wavelength. That's kind of what, like you said, well, we know Fox News is a conservative, you know, network, and we know MSNBC is a liberal media. So there are biases that are being pushed. Just, I mean, it's it's inevitable that you're going to have biases. It just doesn't seem like there's a, a real middle of the ground media anymore. Well, there is, uh, but it's in the mainstream media. You think so? It is. Now, MSNBC is as far left as media gets. Sure. There's no there's no left-wing talk radio. Doesn't exist. But there is a lot of right-wing talk radio. And you're talking about like Glenn Beck and mm-hmm. things like that. And I have a good friend, one of my best friends is a right-wing media talk host. Okay. And you know, he and I disagree a lot, but we both say to each other, "You know what? We may disagree, but if somebody came after you, they got to go through me first. Sure. And, uh, and and we're like that. I mean, we're friends first. But, yeah, we have differing political positions. I have a lot of friends like that, too. Yeah. I have guys that are Absolutely. very far left and guys that are very far right. Yeah. And I, I try I try to be down the middle. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, and, and look this book up on Amazon and get yourself a copy, wrote a book called uh, The Death of Fairness. And it's about the end of the fairness doctrine. It's a fictional story about uh, a station out in the middle of nowhere where uh, somebody comes in and buys it and they convert it into a talk radio station and in the end people die, you know, and things mm. like that. But it's it's a great story and he's a good writer. But uh, he was a very good disc jockey. I mean, he, he was a major disc jockey. He and I worked together in Colorado and he was down in uh, Miami when he came down with multiple sclerosis and had to... Uh, had to retire from broadcasting, but he became a writer. So look this book up. It's a great story, but uh, it focuses on the uh, what I think was was the turning point in American media, and that was. And I talked to Bill Clinton personally about this too. Uh, when he was president, I got to go to a barbecue with him and, and said, "Man, you can't, you can't do this." And he said, "Well, I have to. You know, it's because." It's an agreement that I have with some Republican people, and we have to we have to end this. But uh, they ended the fairness doctrine, hmm. and they also ended the ownership rules of media. And you know, I understand that they had to do it, but um, in order to get some other legislation passed that was very important at the time, and uh, Bill Clinton was focused on balancing the budget. And he had to get Republican support in order to balance the budget. Well, this was one of the things that he threw in was he was going to support the end of the Fairness Doctrine. The The Fairness Doctrine basically said, if you are in media, you have to give equal time to both sides on every issue. No longer that way. And, so, and when they ended the ownership rules corporations could come in and buy up the local broadcast licenses and now they became corporate influenced rather than being influenced by the local population in that area so the local news coverage went away and is going away I was talking with um, 
oh, uh, why, why am I drawing so many blanks on names here today? But uh, uh, with, with with some people at the Gazette, you know, who who were were talking about uh, the end of local journal journalism. And, yeah, it uh, seems like it, it. It's happening all over the country, where the the corporations are cutting out the journalists as budget cutting measures, and and the journalists are being replaced with uh, journalism is being re- replaced with propaganda. That's what's happening. Whoever owns the whatever corporate entity owns the newspaper influences what the journalists do. Right, and that. That should not be the case. Whether it's left or right, it just shouldn't happen. Yeah, you need fair. Anna Page is who I was trying to say. She writes the Enjoy section. Okay. And uh, she's she's one of our regular singers at the Crystal. And uh, we were talking about this last week. Um, you know, it's just a shame that younger people are not supporting newspapers, but newspaper readership is now fifty plus primarily. Right. People are getting their news now from social media, and you don't know who you're. Yeah, it's really you hard don't to know who's writing what on social media. Exactly, and there's so many fake. And it's probably not a journalist; it's probably a propagandist. Well, and unfortunately, people, or somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Right, and unfortunately, people are gonna read and listen to what they, you know, what suits them. Exactly, they're not gonna hear, you know the fair journalism side of it they're going to hear the pro- like you said propaganda side and what feeds them whether it's left wing or right wing propaganda exactly. it's exactly. probably propaganda there's there's some legitimate news on on the internet oh yeah but it's hard to find and yeah and it's hard to know exactly who's verified as because the social media companies chart they collect through cookies what your likes and dislikes are so they feed you what? News stories that match your preferences, and it all comes down. So to you're it. not getting the the truth. You're getting what matches your perspective. Yeah, and, it, and they don't care what you're getting. All they care about is that you're getting the ads, right? And and that's all they care about. Yeah, and, you. and that that all comes back to the fairness doctrine. We need to put the fairness doctrine back in, and it needs to apply to social media as well as broadcast media. Mm-hmm. and journalism and we should be able to institute libel lawsuits and slander lawsuits to those in the media when they when they intentionally lie uh, you know the end of the fairness doctrine was a license to lie and that's what it was and that's what it remains we need to stop that we need to get back to where people hear the truth from both perspectives, left and right. And when we do that, now we can bring the population back together. Agreed. But as long as people on the left are only getting a left-wing view and people on the right are only getting a right-wing view, we're headed towards civil war in this country. Yeah, you're really only causing division. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that clearly with, with, like I said, the fact that it's so much... The, the vote was really honestly close, considering, you know, obviously by millions, but... You know, 70-plus million voted for Biden, 70-plus million voted for Trump. I That's mean, right, yeah. That just shows to the division that is actually 
you know happening and yeah, it's becoming two countries and and i do believe a lot of the votes were you know i'm just voting not for trump and a lot of votes were i'm just voting not for biden exactly. unfortunately i agree I, it would, I would like to see an election where there's two very strong candidates that we can actually vote based on policies not on you know who they are individually because it just seemed like the majority of it was you know everything we've heard that's you know so bad about trump in his like personality and same with biden where you know he's dementia and all this that, those were the issues that people were you know arguing not necessarily the policies per se well the problem is negative advertising works yeah no you're and that's absolutely they know that too so they know that and that's what they focus on and we need to get back to a system where people can't do that yeah no i i agree with you um we could talk politics all day especially oh yeah we right could. Now. yeah absolutely um i do want it but i do want since we you know i don't want to keep you too long but oh i got some other things i want to get through with you absolutely one thing i do want to ask just to close out the uh political talk do you think biden will make it full the full four years um i think he will he's he's in pretty good health uh you know, there's people in the Senate a lot older than than that. You know, there's right. people in the 80s and and even 90s in the Senate, and uh, you know, it's a it's a tough job, but it's one that can be done by someone in advanced age. And I just know you see a guy like Barack who comes in and looks young and, oh, and vibrant. Yeah, and he he works out, you know, and he's right. he's got a muscular body and he's he's ready but you know? after eight years you could see the toll oh, that was it, taken absolutely so. yeah i guess i mean it's really hard to just assume that and guess that so i will just have to wait and see how that goes yeah but you know but i think uh kamala harris is is ready in case he doesn't and she's certainly got the resume to do it she was a, a prosecutor um and a good one and she was the first female attorney attorney general uh in california and uh, ran the biggest justice department outside of the u.s justice department right uh she's got uh, she's got the ability to work with a company or or a government that has a lot of people in it on the other hand donald trump uh, the trump organization had 12 employees he's never had to work with big organizations and uh you know he yes he owned these other things but mainly his other companies that he owned were licensing agreements they paid a fee to use his name so he wasn't really all that directly involved with big companies well joe biden has a lot of government experience he's worked in in government he was elected to the senate at the age of 29 so he's been in government his whole life and he understands how everything works. Right. So he's not going to get in and intentionally throw monkey wrenches into the works. True. I I necessarily I don't love career politicians as a, you know, I think pol politics was meant to be a service, not a career. So, but I mean, I agree with what you said as far as like he understands the system. He understands the system. I he understands like how how to get people to work together, and that's sure. what we have to get back to. We yeah. have to get back to people working together. Now, whether he can do that or not, we have to see. It's, it's not a one-man uh, job, it's, though. It's, with, with the media the way it is, it's, it's not like it used to be mm -hmm. when you had 
three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, and you had journalists who were required by law to give equal time to both sides, that was a whole different ball of wax for somebody running for re-election in any place, whether it be a Democratic place or a Republican place, than it is today. Right. Today, you've got, to satis- you've got to satisfy that segment of the population in your area according to the media that they're exposed to on a daily basis. Whole different ball of wax than it used to be in getting people to work together. Hmm. Let's move forward. I know, okay. like I said, we could literally we could do all this day. all day. Absolutely, There's a lot to talk about, and might have to have you back on at some point to talk more about it. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see how the how things are going after the transition is made. That could be interesting to see. Uh, um, Broncos. Let's talk Broncos. Let's do. Um, you're a season ticket holder. What, so you've been watching for years. You, you've been watching... Well, first of all, how, how long have you been a season ticket holder? I think I was... Uh, well, since John Elway started playing there. Okay. Uh, which I believe was 83. And uh, I started looking for season tickets then. I was going to games then. But I think I got my season tickets in 86, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So I've been a season ticket holder for a long time. So did you just put your name on the list and did all that? or No. In those days, you could buy them. Oh, oh You okay. could buy season ticket rights from somebody else. Now you can't do that. You gotcha. Can, if you own season tickets, the only person you can transfer them to is a direct family member. Gotcha. And then you can only do it within a certain window. And they're getting so strict on, like... You they have are. to go to so many games. You and- do. You, if you don't go to more than 50% of the games personally, they can and will pull your season tickets right. Just because they're, they're because, so pressured. No, they are. They have you know 72,000 people on a waiting list for mm-hmm. those tickets. And they, right now, only have about four or 500 people every year who don't renew. So at that rate, you know, you're looking at a 140-year waiting period to get season tickets. Which... Honestly, I I love it because it just shows to our fan base. Yeah, and we we have the record for most sellout games until now, obviously. Well, uh, no, we still haven't had an unsold ticket since 1967. Right. Oh, I'm just con- like considering the you know COVID protocols. Oh, right. Where yeah. We can't have anybody there have, or yeah. like five thousand people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's a question I was wondering. I think I asked you once before, but remind me how the COVID stuff. In, was uh, effective toward the season ticket holders. Well, got an email from them that said, um, you know, we can give you two choices. Either you can get a refund or you can just credit your tickets to next year. And then we'll notify you um, when we have some tickets available for a game if you want to come to the games, but you'll have to maintain social distancing and whatever other requirements they put in. So I just said, okay, well, just credit my... I'd already bought my season tickets, so just credit my season tickets to next year and and uh, let me know. And right. so so uh, they, they've been doing that, but I'm not going to go down there and sit six feet away from the next fan. Have you have you been asked yet? Have they? Oh yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, I that's get, cool. I though. get emails from them all the time. You know, it's cool. You get the option to. And do I that. I also got an option from them to pay them a hundred dollars, and they would put a cardboard cutout of me sitting in my seats. You what know. do you do? It's still kind of it's it's fun that they do that, but yeah. to pay a hundred dollars for yeah, that, like, yeah. Although you do have really good seats, I have to say. Yeah, you've been to games with me, so I have. That, yeah, you know. and 
honestly, I don't think I can just because of that experience to get to sit where where you have your seats. I don't think I because before that, I I was sitting up in the nosebleeds every time. Like yep. it's expensive, but you know. I don't think I can ever do it again. I'll pay whatever to sit in those lower seats. Yeah, just, it's we're a different We're 26 experience. rows from the field, and that that's high enough that you get a good enough angle to see the play on both ends of the field. Yeah. But it's um, it's not so high that you you don't feel like you're right in the action. Well, and you're on that end zone side, so once things happen there, you're right You're right there, there. yeah. So they're, they're really, really nice seats, and I appreciate – the fact that I've even gotten the chance to sit in those, yeah, um, and seen some really good games. The game we went to, it was what the Chiefs game. Uh, I can't remember that really uh, close Chiefs game. I want to say, yeah, probably was. I think <laughs> I can't remember now, but um, yeah. Uh, what do you think of this season? Well, you know we we're in rebuilding mode. We've got the youngest team. In the NFL, uh, especially on offense, yeah, I mean, we've we've got we're a little more experienced on defense, but we got a ways to go. Uh, Drew Locke is is starting to take command. I was going to ask you what you thought of Locke. I, I like Locke. I do too. I, I I think he's he's got the leadership ability, and he's he's able to to do what I do with the crystal, and that is to set a fun atmosphere. Yeah, he, he dances. He's got that swagger, know, and, and uh, yeah, he has confidence. Spirit I like of that. fun, I call it, and uh, he—that's he, what he tries to set in the Broncos' locker room. Is mm-hmm. hey, this is serious stuff, but let's go enjoy ourselves. Well, and I think in that last, what did you think of that last game, huh? That oh, comeback? that was great. Yeah, did you see what he said after the game? I did. Where yeah. he said, "Don't boo too early." Yeah, that's he said word. that, but he also said, uh, "You know, this is the." This is the youngest team I've ever seen come back and pull off this kind of a victory. So I'm really proud of these guys. Well, and you make a really good point when it comes to that. Like, there's a big learning curve. Now, what I've seen in this season is I'm not a big fan of how the play calling has been going down. Like, I think in situations where it's like third and four and we're throwing deep, I don't understand that. I feel like I don't either. Make your first down. But at the same time, we can't just. I like Pat Shermer. I think he's a great coordinator. We can't move on from him so quickly because that would be Drew Locke's third coordinator. And yeah, we've, continuity got, we've is got a good coaching staff and we've got good young players. Let's yeah. build it. Well, I really liked what I saw with the uh, time management in that last game. We took the timeouts at a certain point where it would give us a full almost two minutes with the ball, um, and that's just such a less pressured situation. And I thought Drew Locke showed a lot of you know, clutch in the way he handled himself. Yeah, a lot of poise. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased with him. And you know, Jerry Judy, he's, uh, he's coming right along and Noah Fant and KJ Hamler. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got some, we've got some good, good young players out there that have, you know, five, 10 years ahead of them as players in the NFL. The average career is probably what, three years. Yeah, something it's, like it's something small, yeah. Yeah, uh, but um, I had coffee a while back with uh, with a friend of mine who played fullback for the Broncos. and uh, Who was that? Uh, uh, Spence. Spencer uh, Larson. Spencer Larson, yeah. yeah. I've met him. And a uh, great guy. And, uh, you know, we're talking about that. And he's he believes the Broncos have a... Have a lot of uh, a lot of potential there too, and and uh, I told him I said Spencer, we we need you back. <laughs> Could use a good fullback out there, and he said, you know what? 
He said, I'll never do that, anything like that again. He said, I know guys that have had their brains wrung and they're, they're all messed up for the rest of their life. And he said, there's no way I would get out there and do it again. But, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it while I was there. That's awesome that he got the chance to do that. And that, yeah, he lives here now, too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. have, like, a big family, too. Uh, yeah, his, uh, he moved here uh, after he retired from the Broncos. And uh, his wife, their family's from here. Okay. So that's why he moved here. That's awesome. And um, he's, a, he's a financial advisor now. He's a, um, a stockbroker, basically. You know a few old players, don't you? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Elway's family are friends of mine and and uh, been to three Super Bowls with, with his family. That's crazy. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, but... Uh, Did you get to go to the Broncos Super Bowls? Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, John's dad, Jack, used to always make sure we got tickets. Did you go to 50? I didn't, but okay. my daughter did it. Oh, uh, that's awesome! That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, her and her husband. He's he's a Seahawks fan, and she was a Broncos fan. And, you know, so they they went to that one. And uh, but I I went to uh, to three of them, uh, and two of which we won. That's awesome. I went to the one where we played the Forty ers and uh, got our butts kicked in the worst Super Bowl loss in history. And, uh, Just next to the one against the Seahawks, right? <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. Well, I literally cried. Yeah, I did too. But I went to two that we won. Okay, uh, and and uh, that's that's way cool. Like, I, yeah, I went to thirty-two and thirty-three. I I was too young to really like understand at that point when we won those first two Super Bowls. But watching us win Super Bowl Fifty was literally like a dream come true because unless you are a fan of a team and watch them win a championship you'll never understand that feeling and anybody who's seen it that's knows. right yeah absolutely it's, there's nothing like it well uh john elway's first cousin mark ran when i had my schools he ran my great falls campus so he was the number two guy in my company so we used to go down there and we you know when you're with one of the elways you can do whatever you want you know you can go out to the training center and you can go into the practice and you can you know, we've even been in the workout room. You know, when they're when they're in there doing their exercises and That's stuff awesome. like that. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, but I was the tag along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mark's now living in Southern California, and and Jack Elway, his dad, uh, John's dad, died. So I don't have my connections that I used to have with the Broncos. But those were great days and great times. And and uh, Mark and I, oh man, we were. We were diehards, you know. Right. Uh, he'd come down from Great Falls, meet me in Billings, or I'd fly up and get him, and we'd take my plane and fly down there. And That's so crazy. We'd go out to the training center and hang out and and uh, go to the games, and, and Jack always got us tickets, so if they were going to the Super Bowl, we knew we were going. Right. So that was good. That's way cool. I uh, actually went to school with uh, Dylan Donahue, who's Mitch Donahue's yeah, son. I know, yeah, I know, I know Mitch. Yeah. Um, so... I'm not like good friends with Dylan, but uh, I've seen him around and we talk every now yeah, and again. Yeah, he had a tough time with the Jets. You know. Yeah, it's still it's still cool enough that he got drafted absolutely, and, absolutely. Like, he's a, a great deal. player, but you know he's one of those people that just. Uh, and I had a friend who played for the Bears, same way. You, you just you you do the power takes over. And you do things you wouldn't normally do if you're but hopefully back it, home in Billings. Hopefully it'll you know. I hope it works you, out for him. Shape you in a better light. You know, everything yeah. happens for a reason. I think. So. Yeah, and uh, I think he'll. I think he learned a lot from that, and 
you know, hopefully it, it will have a positive effect on the rest of his life. You know, For sure. and that, even though he didn't do everything he could have done if he hadn't fallen into the drugs and alcohol trap in the NFL, uh, I think it'll still have a great effect on his life and he'll do just fine. I think so too. After that. Um, how do you like our chances tomorrow? Uh, Falcons, well, one of the choke artists of the year. Well, they've got the number one passing offense in the NFL. They do, and we're going to be without A.J. Bouye, one of you know, yeah. our number so one so it's going to be a tight game, but I like our chances. I think we're starting to jail. I think so, too. Uh, and the confidence we must have after that last game should be riding pretty heavy with everybody. Yeah, we're three and four, and they're two and five. So, you know, it's both teams are... Pretty evenly matched, I think. How, yeah, I, I I would say so. We're pretty much on the same. Like they're, they've had defensive struggles. I think our defense is doing really well. Honestly, I think it's they're starting to click. It'd be nice if we had Vaughn back, but See, and, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And I thought I thought the Vaughn thing was honestly a bigger effect to the like morale aspect of it. Just knowing Vaughn's on the field, the defense gets a boost. You know what I mean? I didn't I don't know that Vaughn's, you know, would have made a huge impact on the field. And, like it just seems like he's in a more of a decline on his like stats. He is in the last Yeah, year. he's he you know it's hard to say. He could have had a breakout season again, but he, he could have. It's but like you said, it's not not all that likely. I mean you know, it's, it's different to take those kind of hits at age 35 than it is at age 23. Right. You know, it's, well, but like I said, I do think it was a big effect in the fact just he's not on the field. I think the defense definitely gets a charge knowing he's out there. And so I think absolutely. that really hurt us early on. But I think we're starting to get it back together. And I liked, I, I did like the fact that Bradley Chubb was put in a position where he had to, you he know. had to step up. Yeah. And so I think that was a good thing for him. And he is starting to step up and show some leadership sides of it. So I think it's a good it, – it ended up being a good thing for us to ha- let him take the reins and show what he can do. And Garrett Bowles is having a good year. Which sucks because we took out the – we didn't take out the uh, fifth-year option for him. So – Oh, he'll resign. I think he you will. You think so? I think he will. I hope so because – but what – you know, and I, that's, a, that's a nod to Mike Munchak and the, what he can do as a – you know, O lines coach. I think Absolutely. that really shows to. Yeah, I think you know that was an incentive for Bowles. It said, "Okay, we'll let you play one more year, but we're not picking up your option." Right, and the O line's been doing really good. Like, they have, yeah. The production's been good. We've been getting the run game going. Philip Lindsay is impressing me. Oh, he is. He's always impressed me. One of my people that buys my season tickets down there uh, in Denver every year that buys some, you know, they usually buy one or two games. Uh, their daughter died of the flu earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, so she called me and she said, "Michael, you knew my daughter had died, and we had a townhouse that belonged to her that we had to sell." And I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that." And she said, "Well, she said I, I've got some news for you." She said, "I, I need to send you some pictures of who bought it." I said, really? He said, yeah, I, I'm going to send you the pictures from the closing on who bought it. Philip Lindsay bought their townhouse. That's I so showed awesome. you those pictures, I, didn't Yeah. I? And uh, he's, you know, they haven't given him the contract that he deserves. I agree. I he, think if it, it needs to happen. He's their best player. Oh, absolutely. He's, uh, I mean, we brought in a guy like Melvin Gordon who's a proven 
back and Lindsay's outperforming him. And I in, think Lindsay is the best player on the team. I would agree. Period. He's got he's got a lot of heart for for the you know his size and that's not a I mean we we've seen guys like Darren Sproles and smaller backs pull it off and we're seeing it now and he's a he's a fighter man. Well, think about a small back is <laughs> less less area to tackle. Exactly. When you're going through and he's there. He's so fast. He is. He's, and he's starting to get it figured out on the catch, you know, on little pass routes. He's getting a lot better at that. He had issues with that early on, but he's starting to really figure that out and he's just a every down threat. Yeah, people love him in Denver. Oh, well, he's, he's a, a local kid. Yeah, I mean, I have his jersey, so, you know, I'm a big fan of his as well. I and am too. I, I would really like to see them give him the contract that he deserves. Absolutely. He's he, he's Pro Bowl material again. Especially, well, yeah, especially the fact that he's competing with, you know, a Pro Bowl running back, you know. we got a good tandem in the backfield. Oh, yeah, and I like Royce Freeman, too. I think he's a yeah. great, great he's, Back, I don't. I I didn't understand the Gordon pickup honestly, and I don't think it's necessarily benefited us any more than it would have if we hadn't signed him. I don't either. I mean, so I thought Royce back, Freeman was but a Royce great. Freeman's just as good. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it is what it is. So looking at the rest of the schedule here, how do you like our chances to finish the season? I think we'll finish with a winning record, but I don't think we'll make the playoffs. That's a fair, you know, assessment. I think I, I don't think we'll we'll get a wild card slot we're certainly not going to win the division uh with kansas city looking like they're looking right um but, it, but it's it's a good you know so i think we'll come in number two in the division but i don't think we'll have the record to make the wild card i hope we do but i don't think we will yeah i mean well and the fact that we've been playing without sutton you know that imagine that the number one wide receiver, and then that would open up Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and guys like that. I like Tim Patrick too at the wide receiver. I do too. So I think we're starting to figure it out. And Albert O, the other tight end, yes, the other young tight end, him and Fant are going to be a amazing duo. As yeah, long as I we think can, they will. As long as we can keep the uh, O line, you know, fortified, we might have a pretty impressive offense next year. So a lot of things to be you know excited for on the. As a Bronco fan, I think so. I, I think next year is going to be a much better year for us than this year was. And we didn't. We, we had all these new players. We had this really young team, and they couldn't hardly and no preseason. Exactly, couldn't practice. A lot of injuries. Yeah. So, I think there's you know there's a big upside. Yeah, and COVID nineteen outbreaks. That I mean, really yeah. John Elway and Joe Ellis both COVID positive, so mm -hmm. they're having to do the management duties via Zoom now. And so, okay, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big Elway supporter. I am too. But there's always, every year, it seems like there's a big push to get Elway out. And I don't understand it. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's it's people looking for excuses. I think, yeah. Uh, well, and it's always after a loss. It's never after a win. Right. Uh, I think John Elway is very smart. He's a, he's a good business person. Uh you know, I, th I think it, part of the problem is he owns so many other business interests there in, in Denver that people think he's not paying enough attention to the Broncos. And some of that may be true. But uh, like I said, I know his family, and, and they're just good people. Right. Uh, they're, they're just good people. And John is nobody, – nobody hates to lose more than John Elway. But um, – you know, it's it's hard when you're winning to get a good quarterback. 
and that's been the weak spot. It really has, yeah. Uh, we've we've had nine quarterbacks now since Peyton Manning retired, starting. But you uh, have to. I but mean, but we we ended with a Super Bowl win. And you have to credit Elway alone for getting Peyton Manning to the Broncos. Exactly. Man, Manning said it himself. I, John Elway is the reason I'm here. You know exactly. so. And uh, you know we it, you just can't go out there's not that many franchise level quarterbacks out there. No. And we we could have found him though finally. I think so. I mean we you got to give him the time. You just got to let him develop and that's why I'm saying you can't you can't get rid of Shermer just yet. Let them develop under him, you know, see what they can come up with together because continuity is everything when it comes to well, quarterback and quarterback. All the problems that we've talked about in from Pat Schumer's view are multiplied by 11. You know, you've got all these new guys out there, young guys. Right. And they all have to learn a whole new offensive system. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it takes a while. I mean, I, I don't know how many plays are in his playbook, but I. You know, it, there's a lot of offensive plays, and when a when an offensive lineman goes down, he's got to be able to look out there and look through three thousand possibilities in defensive coverages and and make the choice. That's why the intelligence test for a lineman is so difficult because they've got to be able to make split second decisions. And, uh, you know, when you've got young linemen, I mean, there's a lot to look at, and you don't have a very good view. Right. <laughs> You're squatted down, you know, yeah. and you got to be able to look out there and, and make a decision really fast. Mm-hmm. Well, and the only, my only gripe with Shermer at all has just been the situational play calling. And there's been times when I've been impressed, although you have to kind of put a little bit of, of that on lock as well the fact that he he needs to learn how to go through his progressions a little better and you know read the defense a little bit better because he's made some you know poor decisions and they've cost us in turnovers but that's just him developing as a young quarterback and you just have to keep that you know the the relationship between the coordinator and the and the uh, quarterback has to grow in order for that to happen yeah. and it just shows to him as a young quarterback too so i think they'll figure it out and I like Fangio as a head coach as well. I do too. I um, I think he's got a lot of potential, and uh, yeah, I think we we've got a great coaching staff. We've got good young players, and I think we got a bright future ahead of us. But I don't think it's going to come together in jail this year. Right. Unfortunately, but it's it's nearly half over. We'll see how next and, year goes. Uh, yeah, we're, we've already got four losses, so and we'll probably get some more. Let's let's look at the schedule sure. here. And just run through it by game. I don't think we're going to beat Kansas City. Buffalo is going to be tough. New Orleans is going to be tough. Um, I think we, we'll split games with the Raiders. That just seems to be something. Yeah, we do I often. think I think that's Buffalo is tough. True. Carolina, I think that could be a win. New Orleans is tough. Yeah, I mean, I think we can beat the Chargers again. I could see us beating Kansas City, though. If it just depends if we get our people back, you know. And it's it, it's a little bit later in this, you know. I don't know. It just depends on how. It really depends on how these next few games go. Yeah, if and we, we gave to, we gave them a run for their money last year. And I mean, granted, this last time we got smoked. Yeah, we did. But it, it, we'll see what happens. Honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 
I think we could beat Kansas City, but in Kansas City, it's going to be tough. You're right. Yeah, I I kind of didn't think. Although about that. they won't have they won't have the screaming fans in the stadium either, like we don't. So for a road game, you know, road games are are easier now than they used to be. I could see us maybe upsetting either New Orleans or Buffalo. I don't see us winning both those games, but I could see us maybe pulling off an upset in either one of those yeah. two. So I think we've got a we've got a chance that. Nine and seven, or a nine and yeah, nine and seven. I think maybe eight, maybe eight and eight. I think that's probably a little bit closer. We'll see what happens. So I mean, like we said, I think there's a, a, a lot to be you know hopeful for when it comes to all this. So. Yeah. So it's the future looks bright. Agreed. Um, I wanted to get into the to piloting, but. We're, we're running a little bit longer than I thought, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. We might have to get to that on a, on a separate occasion. Let's do it. But I do want to ask you, I've, I've been wanting to ask this for a while. So, Crystal Lounge. First of all, how long have you been there? It uh, was 18 years in October. Wow. That's insane. I, I had no idea it's yeah. been that long. That's awesome. Um, so before I really hit the bar scene, before I was really, you know, doing that, the Crystal always had this reputation as a you know rough and tumble bar since i've been there i've not you know experienced that so i want to first and foremost say as a proprietor of the crystal lounge i've never you know experienced anything like like what the reputation of 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 it was i i can name 10 bars that are worse you know when it comes to that however like any bar i'm sure there's been its fair share of moments or wild moments that have happened. Anything that sticks out to you? Yes. There was one night where a guy there was there was a twenty one year old girl and her boyfriend and she was singing and he wasn't. Okay. And uh there was this guy who kept bothering her and I told him, I said, Stop bothering the lady. Just leave her alone. If she wants to talk to you, she'll come and talk to you. Because she had asked me to. So, you know, could you get this guy off of me? And uh, her boyfriend was pretty timid, and he wasn't saying anything. So I just... So then the guy comes out on the dance floor and grabs her by the breasts. Wow. And I came off the stage and grabbed him by the lapels and threw him up against the wall, smacked him in the face, and then th- threw him out the back door, and one of the customers came behind him, and I it was summertime, and he was wearing sandals, and his sandals were, were sitting there on the floor where I had thrown him out the back door, and he landed in First Avenue North on his back. Wow. Fortunately, there wasn't a car coming at that time, or they might have killed him. But uh, the, other, the customer, uh, Brian... Uh, Brian Wallace picked up both shoes and went out there and threw him and hit him in the face with both shoes. <laughs> so that's the one that stands out the most. For I feel, me. yeah, I've, I've definitely, you know, obviously when alcohol is involved, things can tend to go sideways fairly quickly. I've, I've, I've actually seen you have to, you know, get harsh with a few people just because mostly it's that it seems to be people messing with singers yeah and, and if they're messing with the ladies and i, I, I even, yeah that too i even uh well you know if you don't if you if ladies don't feel safe in your bar they won't come right 
Well, you don't want anybody to not feel safe. Exactly. In any way. And so now we have we have good security at the crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are times, you know, when they're on the other end of the bar, and I'm whole bar length away from them. So mm-hmm. I I will take charge on my end if I need to. Yeah. Well. And- I mean, it's been a while since we've seen it be busy in there, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's hard to get from one end to the next when it's crowded like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and uh, Larry did put me in a trouble light. So if I see something on my end, I can flip a light on the stage, and it tells the bouncer that they need to come to this end of the room. Gotcha. That's kind of nice. But sometimes, you know, if somebody just committed a sexual assault right in front of me on, on a young lady, mm-hmm. I'm coming off the stage. I'm not right. waiting on somebody else to come all the way from the other end of the bar through the crowd, you know. I've had... Especially I've, when I've told them three times, leave leave her alone. I remember one time, this was must have been a couple of years ago, honestly, because I was in a relationship at the time, and I was up there singing, and uh, this drunk gal came up and was, like, just dancing next to me, and it, it didn't bother me or nothing. Yeah. And then she was like spanking me and I'm like oh my god like this would never happen to me if I wasn't in a relationship you know what I mean like right. not that I'm you know I didn't mind but of course you know there's there's your girlfriend sitting there and right what am I going to do yeah. like it's and just, you're singing right so you can't you can't stop and say hey leave me alone right well it doesn't necessarily bother me when people are up dancing what bothers me is when people try to sing with you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're up there singing this. Oh, I love this song! And they come up and they're like trying to sing with you, and I'm like, eh, yeah. Let me. So sing. that's why I put on the back of the request slips karaoke etiquette. You know, give them a sure. six foot radius. Right. And uh, like and, I said, when alcohol gets involved, people, you know, yeah, they just forget that inhibitions sort of start to lower. But at and, least now I've got something to say. It says right on your request slips, not to do this. Stop right. it. For sure, and that it's called the power of authenticity in in negotiating technique. You got to have it written down somewhere where people can see it before you can refer to it. So uh, that's that's why I put that on the request slips. Right. Okay. Now, if you read the request slip, here's what it says. That's mm-hmm. what you got to do. Go sit down. <laughs> Has the uh, COVID stuff really made a pretty significant impact into the crystal? You know, Dan, one of the subs, got it. Uh, I'm, I, I guess I'm more mean on the uh, business aspect of it, on monetary. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, we, I was we think- only have about 25% of what we used to have on the bar side, on the lounge side. Yeah, because I was... And then the card room just reopened this week. Right. Well, I was in the... You know, because obviously I go to the Chris all the time. And then uh, Hooligans also. And I just... I was thinking about it the other day, just sitting in the at Hooligans on a Saturday night... And it was, you know, as full as it could be. But I remember nights at the Crystal and at Hooligans, you couldn't hardly walk to the bu- to the bathroom. Absolutely. Like, and so it's like I just it just sunk in on me. It's like these guys got to be losing a lot of money. Yeah. Like how are, ha- has there been any like government aid on anything with those with with at mm, least with the Crystal as far as you know? Not that I know of. Uh, maybe. But uh, Larry didn't share that with me, so I don't know. Well, I mean, but uh, doors are still open, so the doors are still open, and that's that's the main thing. And um, hopefully they'll stay open. Yeah, hopefully we can. Hopefully now that you know, maybe things will start turning in a different direction. Hopefully, like that's the that's all we can hope for, really. That's really it. And uh, 
you know, hopefully they'll have a vaccine soon. Once they get a vaccine, we'll be okay. But what really I'm worried about is the live music venues. Me too, yeah. Uh, the pub station. I mean, they just quit having shows because they can't bring in a name act mm-hmm. and have six-foot distancing. You can't do that. Yeah. It's too expensive. Yeah, I'm really hoping... that. I agree with you because, like, I mean, I'm in a band and... You know, we've we've only gotten a chance to play a few shows and out there outdoors, and you know, there's they, everyone has to abide by the protocols, and so places like the pub station are suffering. And absolutely, and and hopefully they'll it, hopefully they'll get a vaccine soon because that would enable the clubs to go in and say, okay, now now we can have you in, mm-hmm. and if you've got a vaccination. You know, it's up to you, but now you can be close to each other. I think. It, I think at least with you know, even if it's not a vaccine, if it's just like we have, you know, what's um, the words escaping me? Herd herd immunity. Not necessarily. Well, not that. Just like the ability to cure or to. Uh, oh, oh, a treatment. Yes, yes. Yeah, a treatment. Yeah, if we have a treatment that we know is proven, it'll at least you know put some confidence back in the fact that people will be able to go out and yeah and feel, feel remdesivir is okay you know but it it it's been scientifically shown to be not that effective um when i went in to the hospital in september they thought i had it and they said you know if you've got this if your blood oxygen drops down below 94 percent we can give you rem- remdesivir, but other than that, there is no treatment. Right. And uh, they tested me twice, though, and it turned out I just had pneumonia. Hmm. Uh, but I was sick as I've ever been. Right. But it was from all that smoke in the air. This was when oh, the when the yeah. sun was an orange ball in the sky, and it, and the smoke was so bad, I got pneumonia from that. And uh, I, th- they thought when I went in that that I had COVID, and they said they. They told me there's a very high likelihood that I had COVID, so they tested me a couple times. I came back negative both times, so well, good. I'm glad I didn't get it. But you know, in the bar, I kind of wish I had, you know, right? So that now I would have have that amount of 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 uh, of immunity. But uh, I may have had it. I mean. It's hard you to you say. just it, don't it, know. It who's reacts had with it. everybody so differently. Yeah, you know, and so. I may have had it earlier and just been asymptomatic. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's really hard to you tell. You just you know you can't tell because they didn't do an antibody test on me to see oh. if I'd already had it. That uh, would have been nice. Yeah. To know. Yeah, they just gave me the the two that uh, were the swab tests, you know, both times, and that doesn't test your antibodies. They have to. I think they have to do a blood sample. To do the antibody test, I don't know exactly how all that works, but you know, it, it'll be nice to get herd immunity to that, where mm-hmm. the virus disappears over time. But we don't know yet if it comes back every year. And I guess we'll have to. You know, the find only way out. to do that is to go a few years and see if it does. Right. <laughs> is it going to be the flu? You know, the flu comes back every year, and they have to come out with a new vaccine every year. Right. Well, I, I think you know, eventually things are just going to have to eventually move its way back into the normalcy, because I don't think economically we can sustain it much longer with the way it is. No, we can't. 
And um, I think they'll, you know, they'll figure it out. Well, and, you know... We've persevered through worse. Yeah, once we get the vaccine, and there's there's three in development right now that are in their final stages, um, that's a big step. Yeah. That's a big, big step toward getting back to normal. Poor airlines. I mean, I feel, Oh, I know, right? Yeah, they're, they're operating at 15% of what they used to operate on. You can't... You can't run a business like that. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of businesses hurting right now. So. Oh, yeah. I, I was talking to the guys at the uh, Northern across the street. Uh, what was it? Thursday night. And the guy said, you know, we've got 14 people in here in the whole hotel. I said, really? Wow. Said, That's yeah, crazy. This is killing us. Well... Yeah, something's got to change. I mean, ultimately, so we'll we'll see what happens. And who knows? You know, another thing too is we elected a Republican governor, so that might have effects locally that might change for us. You know, so it might. Um, that doesn't I, I just, that doesn't stop what the people want to do. You know, people no, still might you know not want to go out. Yeah, and that's that's a problem. Is you know, regardless of what the government does, it's. When the people feel comfortable doing it, I had to fly back on an airline. I took uh, right after I got sick, and they gave me the same the same treatments that they gave to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And one of the side effects was it makes you feel overconfident. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided, you know, I'm going to take a boat down to Florida, and I'm sick, and I get in my truck and I pull a boat to Pensacola. And a hurricane had just gone through Louisiana, and I mm-hmm. planned to stop in Louisiana after stopping and spending the first night in uh, in Hayes, Kansas, and going through a snowstorm all the way from Sheridan, Wyoming, to Hayes, Kansas, pulling a boat. Uh, and then then it was heavy rain all the way to Dallas. It turned to rain after that, and uh, it was a huge storm system. And... Uh, then I decided, you know, I'm going to stop in, in in Shreveport, Louisiana and spend the night. Well, there wasn't a hotel there that had a vacancy. I called everything I could think of. And so then I thought, well, okay, I'll go to Natchitoches or I'll go to uh, Alexandria. Just, you know, 150 miles away. Well, same deal. And then I finally asked somebody, I said, why are there no motel rooms? Well, we just had a hurricane. I said, oh, I said, we got thousands and thousands of people displaced out of their home, and there's no no motel rooms available in Louisiana. Wow. I just went, okay. So I just kept driving. <laughs> By this time, I'm going, this was a bad idea. Right. Because uh, I, I got a boat behind me. I can't really stop in a rest area, although oh, yeah. I did try that once, but it was hot and muggy down there, and I thought, you know... This ain't working. Better just keep driving. So I thought, well, if I have to drive to Pensacola, it's only about 350 more miles, so I'll just have to do it. And uh, finally, in Hammond, Louisiana, which is on the north side of the Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans, I finally found a motel room and was able to stop. But, yeah, uh, that was one of the side effects I found out from the medication they gave me for that pneumonia was it makes you overconfident. Huh, and that's so, interesting. Yeah. 
So I thought, okay, that's that's a bad side effect. <laughs> yeah, right. Because then you'll just drive all night. <laughs> yeah, oh, I did. I took off and drove to freaking Florida pulling a boat with pneumonia. Jesus, that's crazy. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, well, I think that's a good one to end on. That's a f- good, fun story to end on there. Okay, well, great um, to see you. Yeah, I'm glad you came on. Appreciate it again. Folks, make sure you uh, support local business, support your local bars, get down to the Crystal, and sing some karaoke with Michael May. Absolutely. Uh, what nights are you there? Uh, well, I'm booked there every night of the year, and I do the show personally every night except Tuesdays and Wednesdays. All right, well, there you heard it. So get down, get some drinks, support your local bars, and don't forget, guys, life's a garden. Dig it.